Right, now we're on to the sermon. Okay. (laughs) So we started um, a sermon series last week looking at growing our faith. And it's something that we're going to do over the next um, couple of weeks. And the questions that we asked were things along the lines of, do you have the perfect faith? Do you have the faith that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you can just stand there and go, it's fine. God's in control. It's okay. God's got this. Those types of questions. Do you have that kind of perfect confidence in who God is and what he wants for your life and what he's going to do in the future? I often refer to myself sometimes as a bit of a a Sarah. For those of you who know the Abraham and Sarah story where she's promised a child and nothing's happening and she's really old, so she decides to have a plan to make God's promise come true. And so she organizes for one of her um, helpers, her servants, her maids, whatever you want to call it, to go and sleep with her husband because he was much younger and therefore they would have this child that God um, had promised. You know, Sarah interfering in God's plan and God's timing. Her confidence and her trust wasn't there. And I just wonder, sometimes we can all be a bit like that, can't we? I'm not just alone. We know what God wants. We know it's a good thing. And we know that it's what he, what he surely is going to want to have to happen for our lives. So, well, we'll just help it along. But that's not confidence in God. That is stepping back and relying on ourselves and thinking about ourselves. And that's not the type of relationship God wants to have with you. So again, we looked at this last week about imagining. Imagining what your life would be like if you did have that type of confidence. Imagine what your life would be like with every single thing that came. Every worry, every stress, every temptation, every thought. And you went, God's got this. Or what does God want me to do? Am I showing God by acting, responding, or doing this this way? And that's the type of faith that we want to talk about and the type of faith that we want us all to grow. Because when we can trust God then we can say goodbye to half the mental illnesses that are around. We can say goodbye to things like depression. We can say goodbye to worry. We can say goodbye to anxiety because God's got it. And sometimes when we look at people like that, we can say, well, that's just not real. People don't understand my life. I can understand for some people, and it might be really annoying that they have that kind of faith because they keep saying, well, let's just trust God. Let's just pray. It's fine, God's got this. Whatever's going to happen, God's in it. And you think, yes, but my situation is just that little bit different. If only you knew the things about me. But actually, this is what God wants for us. So imagine your life if every time you go, or, or, or you get that knot in your stomach, or whatever it is, that temptation to have, do, eat, take, or drink something that you know you shouldn't, you went, actually, God has got this. And that is what this series is all looking about. 
As I say, you might actually be irritated by other people's confidence in God, but also maybe slightly jealous that you wish you had that faith, you wish you had that peace, that calmness, that knowledge of just being able to let go and let God. Now, the Bible is um, something we're going to kind of focus a bit on today. But when you look at the Bible, and right from the very, very beginning, we don't know how long humans and God have been existing together until this point that we know as the Adam and Eve story, or the fall, uh, as other people might call it. We don't know how long that had been, coming, uh, been going on for. But what we know when we're introduced to, uh, very early on in chapter two, of, you know, so the f- second chapter of the Bible, is that the relationship between God and humans broke down. That whole trust went because Adam and Eve, humans thought that they could do things better on their own. And the whole of the Old Testament and the New Testament and our lives is a story of God trying to build that trust with us again. Now you might be a person who has a real big issue with trust and I understand that. Lots of people do, but there are story after story where God is asking you to trust him. Not to trust other people, not to even trust other Christians, but to trust him. And I would say, if trust is an issue for you, then starting to trust God is the best way to learn how to trust So the Bible is all about the stories of people who are mentioned, Abraham and Sarah, but right the way through where he's trying to re-establish that trust by having a relationship with you. You can't have uh, a a trust in God if you don't have a relationship with him. Those things are just not going to work. You know that um, from any relationship you've had, not just if you're married, but if you, you know, any friendship that you might have, if you don't trust that person, then there is no depth to that relationship. The relationship is not going to withstand some of the things that life throws at us. So the Bible is all about God trying to get Uh, his uh, relationship back into place with us and to ask us to trust him. It's a God's eye view, if you like. It's how, how does God see things? How does God see the world? How does God see our lives? How does God see our church? How does God see you and what he wants? And there's these individual stories of where it's gone with people, with nations, uh, of where they've been trying to build up this trust again. And that's what he wants for you. Because God wants you to have a big faith. He wants to grow a big faith in you. And for us all to have big faith. And that's the story of the Bible and of Christianity, if you like. So this series that we outlined last week is looking at five uh, particular things that people have observed over the years as having an impact on allowing people's faith to grow. And anybody, if you ask yourself, when we listen to testimonies, I know we haven't done some for a while, but when we listen to people, we listened to Joe last week actually, didn't we? But not, we don't generally do them every week at the moment. But when we listen to people's testimony, 
I can't say I bet you, can I? But anyway, but you know what I mean. That you will find that there'll be at least one of these, if not all of them, somewhere in people's story. Last week I gave out these. If you weren't here and you'd like one or you've left it or you made a paper aeroplane for it or the dog chewed it, whatever, there are here again. So they're all five listed out um, here if you want to keep them as we go through, the store, uh, go through this series and think about it. I'll just leave them at the front if you need them. You'll have to move maybe. We'll pass them back, that type of thing. Um, uh, I'll leave them at the back tonight, today so you've got them there if you want. Um, these are the things that when you look at your faith, you'll see that some of these things have happened to you. When you think about, oh, what helped my faith go along? It might have been a person, it might have been a sermon, it might have been an experience, it might have been somebody where where you were, it might have been the support you had, it might have been a life event that forced you to trust God. All of those things are what we are going to explore. And today we're going to have a look at the first one, practical teaching, um, and to see what it is about practical biblical teaching that helps our faith. So first of all, we're looking at the Bible. And for me, the Bible is alive. I think it's one of the most exciting books that I've ever read and keep on reading. I love to read, and uh, when I finally got to that point, when I was really reading the Bible and learning it, I can't believe what I found in there. I just talked about Sarah organizing for her husband to have an affair. Uh, There's death, there's war, there's all sorts of things that we might think is just kept for reality TV. I don't think there's anything about in the jungle. Yes, there is. There's locusts, isn't there? The locusts coming. So you want to think about the things that we think have in our lives today. I will assure you that you'll find a story that relates to it in the Bible. But the point is, it's not just about knowing the Bible, reading the Bible. It's about what we then do with the knowledge that we have. I'm one of those people, because I don't have particularly an amazing memory, I'm not impressed by people um, who can memorize big parts of the Bible. I'm not impressed by people who can quote lots of things, because in my head, when I was a teenager and growing up, all I could see was Doc Cotton on EastEnders, quoting the Bible at people and actually judging them and condemning them, because that's usually when people want to throw the Bible at you, that's what they do. They're telling you something they think you should do and apply, and usually, especially in Doc Cotton's case, without applying it to their own life. And that's the thing, why for me, and I'm not saying, if you memorize Bible, uh, Bible verses and scripture, that's great, well, I'm really pleased for you, but I probably won't be all that impressed by it. So I think, you know, it's about knowing what it is, knowing the big story of the Bible, knowing where to go, knowing what's in it, and knowing how to apply it in your life, then yes, that's the bit that's amazed. When people say to me, I was really challenged by this bit in the Bible, I was challenged when we looked at this in the house group, or I was challenged when I heard this on a Sunday, then you know it's getting in. Then you know that it's not just, oh, that's a nice story to know. I should imagine if I did a straw poll now, many of you could, if I said, who knows these stories like Noah's Ark, um, Samson and his hair, the creation story, um, all of those stories, you'll go, yeah, I know those, I know those. It's not about that. Practical biblical teaching is not about just knowledge. It's about what we then do with that knowledge. 
How do we apply it to our life? And you're like me. Um, you know, maybe you've been a bit like me. This was my introduction to the Bible. Oh, what does it say? To Tracy Lynn, on the occasion of your, um, it says baptism, but it means like baby dedication, from Auntie Elizabeth, Uncle Roger, Sandra, Richard, and David. I was given a Bible. So I think I was about six days old, and this has stayed with me ever since. So it's really lovely, isn't it? It's really a big memory stick. But, please don't be offended by what I'm going to say, it's not the most exciting book to want to pick up and read, is it? You know, it, it's a sacred book, it's lovely, it's precious to me, but this is not how I connect with God. And as I say, please don't be offended, if this is how you do, that's great. We all need to find our ways. But this was my introduction to the Bible and understanding that this is something I should know and have in my life. And I just thought, well, this looks just a little bit old and boring and something that twee that you get at christenings and things like that. So, but to me, that's not what the Bible is. That's not what it's about because you can know all of it. And I've done three years at theology college and some of you have done other colleges studying the Bible. I still don't know it all. There's still so much to know because it's a lifetime thing. And every time I look at a new patch and a new bit of scripture and I think, wow, have they rewritten it? I didn't realize that was there. I missed that last time because the Bible is alive. There's always something. God will speak to us through it when we read something, because sometimes we'll look at something and it makes no sense to us at all because it's not applicable to us in that particular point. But then the next time we read it, boom, it's like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted to know. And that's the joy of the Bible about understanding it, but actually doing it. It's what we do. So, I want to move on now to talk a little bit about what does Jesus say about our doing and our knowing and what we hear and what we then do with it. So I want to paint the picture of what was happening about 2,000 years ago. And if any of you have been to Israel, um, it, it's a beautiful place. It's on the side of this beautiful lake known as the Sea of Galilee, and it's up on a hill. It's like a natural auditorium where there was Hundreds, if not thousands of people sat out around Jesus and he sat there at the kind of middle to the top of the hill and all these people are around him and he is giving them good practical teaching. Some of us know it as the Sermon on the Mount. It's the first six, seven chapters of uh, Matthew in the New Testament and Jesus is saying, you know all this stuff from the, the Old Testament, you know all of these scriptures... <laughs> But actually, this is what it means to put it into practice. This is what it means for you today. And there's lots of links back to the Ten Commandments in that bit in the Sermon at Mount. But he's saying, this is how we do it. This is what, what it means to. Like we said, don't commit adultery. And we can all think, well, yeah, I can understand that. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing to sign up to. And hopefully, that's a, that's a promise I can keep. But Jesus is saying, but actually, it's even what we look at. What do we look at? What do we think about? When it, it might be lust. It might be looking at inappropriate material on computers or magazines or on our phones. Jesus is saying, it's not just because we don't want you to hurt other people, but God doesn't want you to hurt yourself. Those things are not good for you. 
So is that is about the things that we might know of as being really obvious, but actually how does that apply into everyday life? Knowing the things we can't do, that's great, but how do we then apply it? So he's been doing this teaching uh, for several hours, so let's do that today. We'll talk for several hours and see so we can get into the real feel of what it's like to sit there listening to somebody. I think Jesus was probably a bit more exciting than me. And, uh, and then towards the end of it, he says to them, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus is saying... Oh, not that one. Jesus is saying, it's okay hearing it, but you've got to put it into practice. You've got to not just hear this stuff, but you've got to do it. It's not just about knowledge. It's about our obedience to what Jesus asks us to do if we want to follow him. If we want to learn about life and how to have the best life that we can, it's about watching what Jesus did, what Jesus said, and trying to copy him. Please don't copy any other Christian. Please don't copy me. You need to copy Jesus because Jesus is the one. Jesus is the way. And he is the one who's going to lead us into building a good relationship with God that allows us to trust him in all things. So Jesus said, but you've got to put it into practice. Now, what I was going to say here about shock, some of us might think, well, I'm here every Sunday listening to you. Surely that's good. That's me done. I'm listening to what you say. But the shock news is, it's not like a school register. You You don't get any special points for attending on a Sunday. The importance of attending on a Sunday is so that you can hear the teaching and put it into your life. If you're not here, you miss out. But God isn't sitting there going, oh, there we go, Athos, he was here today. Here's a tick. Chris, yeah, but they're not here. Mm -mm. That's just not what it's about. And I know for years church have taught that. But the reason behind that is because when you're here, hopefully you learn stuff that's important for your life. If you, um, usually when we're abroad because of language issues, I generally don't go to church on a Sunday um, when we're, if we're abroad. And that's so hard. When you just get out of it. Some of you have not been for a couple of weeks. You might feel a little, start to feel a bit disconnected. Like, well, why was I going anyway? And that's the point. You become unplugged. So it's not about attendance. I love to see you all. I love to be able to just check in with where you are. I love to see you here, because obviously it's a bit easier than talking to a group than just one person, all of that, but that's a side issue. That's about me and my issues. This is about you, and what are you learning that enables your faith to grow? And if we're not the church to help you, and you don't learn stuff that you can put into your church, find a church where you can do that, because it's so, so important. So it's about applying scripture. That's the message today. That's the message from Jesus when he's sitting on that mountainside is put it into practice. Know it, do it, and then your relationship with God will change. You'll have that better life. That's what we're talking about today, this practical teaching. And hopefully it makes sense if we explore other things that that we know about our lives, what we eat. We are what we eat, are we not? Yeah? Yeah? You know, you can't expect to lose weight by going to McDonald's every day. 
or KFC or living on takeaways, that type of stuff. You know that makes sense. You might think, do, of course I do. You have to put the discipline in of what, looking at what you eat. The same for exercise. You know, I was really shocked to find out a couple of years ago that just buying trainers didn't make me fit. I had to put them on and do some exercise. You know, there was a saying, isn't there? I went to the gym for 25 minutes. Tomorrow when I go, I might actually get on the machines. Yeah, you know, you've got to do something. You can't just be there. I'll tell you, at college, both, with both of the degrees that I've done, I've sat there and I wish I could just put my head in a book and all of the books just transfer into my brain. You know, that osmosis process. Any of you have done large amounts of study, you'll know that because it's hard, isn't it? There's lots of reading and notes and trying to make sure you understand it so you can write it out again for your essays and use it in whatever you're doing. It doesn't work like that. Any teaching that you've received, even if you've done things like first aid, if you've been first aid trained and then you never get the opportunity to practice it, you get out of practice, don't you? You know, you have to be able to do it. I mean, you can't go around hurting people so you can press paint through all those first aid opportunities, but you know what I mean. You've got to put it into practice to make it be um, effective. So Jesus goes on uh, after telling them that they needed to practice. And he says, the rain come down, and some of you will know this story, and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. It was solid, good teaching, and what he's talking about here is your life. What are you building your life on? Are you building your life on things that are just going to wash away, that aren't going to be there tomorrow? Are you building your life on things that are going to be there forever? Forever. What are you building your life upon? Are you building your life upon the promises of God that have not changed for thousands of years, for centuries? Because when life comes at you, when those big moments come, when you reach a rock bottom, or even when you have something great like marriage or having a baby or maybe coming into money, those things, what do you do if you don't have those solid foundations? And God says, put it into practice and you'll be as solid as rock. You will not fall, you will not crumble, you will not go away. When we can have that kind of trust, that we can start to have a relationship, that we can start to put it into practice, that's when you see faith birth. That's when you see faith growing. That's when you see faith rising up in you, when you can say, God has got this. I don't need to worry. That's when, when when you pray, you go, God, I know it's you and I don't know the words to say, but I know you've got this. I know you want the best for me. I know you're going to help me. I know you're going to get me out of this tricky situation. That's faith. And I'm not saying it comes easily, but it's when we want a relationship with God enough that we're prepared to trust him and his promises. And we learn that through listening to good teaching that we can put into our lives. And the story continues. This is Jesus' words. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a big crash. Now let's make no mistake what God is saying here through Jesus' words. If you don't put this into practice, you are foolish. His words, not mine. You are foolish. That's pretty strong words, isn't it? Pretty strong and hard for us to take. And this is why, as I say again, please don't be offended why I think it's great that you might know the scripture, but if you don't put it into practice, Jesus himself calls you foolish. If you think you can know some stuff and then act differently to what the God is telling you to do, you are foolish because it's never going to end well. And trust me, I have 53 years of experience of that. You need to trust God, build a relationship with him, and start to obey him. And Jesus, then the next bit of it goes, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. Do you remember last week, the story of when the leper was healed and then the centurion asked Jesus to go um, and heal his servant? It's online if you missed it. And um, that is the only time that we hear about Jesus being amazed at the faith. The faith of the centurion is what amazed Jesus. But here, this is, you know, this, those stories and those things that happened about the leper and the thing were the next thing that happened after this. But here... We hear that the people were amazed. The people were like, wow, this makes a difference. And the reason it makes a difference to them and why they were so amazed, it was, it was the first time that they realized the scriptures were for them. The scriptures spoke into their lives. The scriptures were the things that they were supposed to do to help them. And they were living in a time of oppression. They were living in a time of total unfairness where people all around them were being crucified for the most ridiculous of reasons. And this is when they go, wow. This teaching is amazing. This is for me. This is about me and my life as well. So what I want to, thing I'm most passionate about in all of my ministry is allowing people to fall in love with the Bible. I think it is so important. And I understand because I'm a bit of a, I like the wow moments, that sometimes this doesn't cut it for people. If it does absolutely bless you, that's amazing. But what you see that I've got here are ways in which I think are ways for us to be excited and interested in the Bible. Um, we have run here a couple of times, things like the Bible course, and again, if you haven't done these, you're welcome to borrow. These are resources that we have here as the church. This is a fantastic course that allows you to go through and just understand this big course. And if you want to do these things and you haven't, let's get a few of you together and do it. House group leaders, if you're here and you haven't yet done it and you want to do it, I highly recommend it. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through them all. You'll know that I use this book usually to open our services. This is all a book about the Psalms and it's based on what they call the Passion Translation. And that's where... Um, uh, Peter Simmons, I think his name is, uh, has written, has gone back to the original Hebrew texts and realizes that with all the different translations that have happened over time, the passion that is in the original scripture has been lost. 
And so he's rewritten them in English with the passion that he believes there in the first one. So, and I love reading the Psalms through uh, that particular um, uh, interpretation. If you're new to the Bible or you just like to have a good grip, there's loads of books by this guy, Nick Page, and uh, he, he kind of takes a book of the Bible and he tells you all sorts of things and the, things, some of his books are a little more um, uh, colourful, but things like this are a really great way of understanding the Bible. We've got courses here that we do. I don't always agree with everybody, uh, the people who write this stuff, but um, these are ways in which we help you explore the Bible um, in a way that works with us. We've all learned in different ways. You know, we've got loads of these types of kits. This is all about spiritual warfare, as you probably guessed from the title there. And some of the things that I really love are some of the children's Bibles. Um, at home, I've got the Jesus Storyteller Bible. That's a really, really great one, particularly for children who are over about four or five in telling stories. But these ones are just as good. If you want to know the real key point of a particular text, sometimes go to a children's Bible because they've summarized it in really English, uh, really straightforward English. Some of you might know this. I've got a green Bible, which is all about um, uh, ecology and understanding what God has got to say. So it kind of goes through, and all the green writing is where it relates to creation. So again, it's just a different way of looking at it. There's the Justice Bible, where anything to do with justice, it's written in red. And so most of the Bible is written in red. Um, Those DVDs of particular stories of the Bible, I've got a whole series of every book of the Bible, which... um, uh, tells us, um, which is like a video of every, of every bit, which is a great way of learning. If you're a visual learner, you can get the Bible audio read to you by loads of different celebrities. You get my point. I don't think there's any reason why we can't fall in love with the Bible, whatever works. One of my favorite books brought to me by Becky, The Psalms as read through a cat. Again, please don't be offended, but they are really, really beautiful. Some of these are just really, really um, uh, lovely. Um, my soul is still. I breathe without seeming to take a breath. All around me is hushed. You fill my silence with peace and love. My soul grows quiet without trying. Inside, I am awake and alert, and my soul floats on clouds. Obviously, if you're a cat, you can see that side of their life. Um, those of us have been to camps and stuff together, you know, I like to play this game, Guess It Game, all about picking out people. We can have a kind of uh, uh, top 10, Trumps, that type of thing. I don't know where my Trump cards are, actually. Some of you have seen these kind of memory cards as well. This one, some of you might guess. The picture will tell you what book of the Bible it is and the key points of the Bible. Some of you most learned people. We've got a moose and a plumb line. What's the Bible book? Well done. Amos. It's Amos. Amos. I know, I know, I know. It's really funny, isn't it? You want these now. <laughs> My two favourite books from last year um, is, actually this is one I brought Steve for Christmas because I wanted it. And uh, I, you do that, you do, that's why you thought it was funny, because that's what you do. <laughs> it's a book about the Bible. I'm quite a visual person, as you might have guessed. And so you read your Bible, and then you kind of follow the drawings. And then the drawings kind of relate and tell the story of the book of Acts. It's really great. And again, it gives you different insights into understanding the Bible, understanding the things that are written in the Bible. And anybody... Um, 
if I've shown you this one, actually, who likes charts and details and spreadsheets and how things go. There is the infographic Bible and, uh, it, you know, lots of all the data that you might see in the Bible and charts and things like that you can find um, displayed in sort of different ways and different chapters and things like that. If you went to theology college and say, it's fine, I've got my Bible, I'm here, I'm ready to go, they'll probably kick you out. <laughs> That's not what these are about. This is about us knowing stuff so that we can apply it. How do we get to know stuff that makes it easier for us to understand that we might apply it? So that's the reason why I've kind of brought these today is you don't just have to sit there with the Bible and, and, and try and read it on your own and struggle. If you like to do that, brilliant, bless you. What I'm saying is there are other options and there are other ways and uh, material that's available for all different types of learning styles for you as you want to um, explore and get to know what God is. Because ultimately, our life choices comes down to this. What do I want to do? And sometimes we all operate out of that, don't we? Right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Yeah, that's a good idea, let's do that. But when we have allowed Jesus to become the boss of us, when we're in a relationship with God... When we want him to be the one that our life is governed by, when we want him to be the one who's the foundations of our lives, we have to stop and say, but what does God want me to do? What is the right thing to do? And a while back, there was a, a thing that you can get bands and things like that. What would Jesus do? WWJD or something, you know, those types of things to enable us to focus on what would Jesus do? And when you've given your life to Jesus, that's how we live our life. What do I want to do? But actually, what does Jesus want me to do? That's the choices that we make. And there will be times in life when that is a big decision and you have to consciously stop yourself or maybe you make a mess and then you have to go back, apologize and then do the right thing. But wherever you're in, that's what it takes. And sometimes it's harder and harder and it's a conscious decision. But then it just becomes, when you put it into practice, it becomes the most natural thing to do. You do it without thinking. When you think of a hurdle runner, uh, you know, if you want to, I don't know how many of you now, if I set up a load of hurdles down the aisle of the church, could go, yep, I can run from one end to the other and I can clear every single one of them. Anybody feel confident to do that? training for the bubble rush or something like that. Then, um, but if you practiced every day, if you trained for it month after month, you'd be able to do it. I think you could even do it, Margaret. That's how confident I would be, that if you practiced regularly, you would be able to do it. And that's the thing. It might seem alien at first. It might seem difficult or unnatural to go, ooh, what's the right thing to do here? But the more you practice the more easier it becomes and allows us to want to do it. So that's what we're focusing on here at NEBC, is we want what we say to be helpful to you. We don't want to do you a history lesson. We don't want to stand here and go, did you know this was in the Bible? We want to enable you to be able to put it into your life and make sure you can go away and do something. We want to always be saying to ourselves, what can, you, what can you do with what you've learned today? What are the choices that you have 
from these things. Um, as I was preparing this, I reminded myself of this picture that we have in our house. Some of you may know it. It used to be in our hallway, but now it's actually above our stairs, so we see it every day. And um, it's the print. We couldn't afford to buy the original. I bought it at Spring Harvest one year. And uh, the original is probably about this high, and it's 3D. There is actually a, it's a real Bible, and different things come out of it. There are lots of stuff that fly over, and I love it because, to me, this is about our lives. So there's that, the Bible flows out into everything. It's love, it's what we say, it's what we write, it's what we speak, it's what we act. But we, if we don't know the Bible, how do we know what to do? It overflows into all of what we are. Now the other thing about having practical teaching and coming to hear things like this and going to house groups, going to listen to talks at events and seminars is because there's lots of stuff in the Bible that if you just opened it, the one I like the best is where there's a woman um, and she's so fed up, she's been raped several times and she wants to hammer a tent peg into someone's head. Is that the instruction for you all to go off tomorrow, to go around hammering tent pegs? Puts a new spin on new wine camping, doesn't it? Is that why we haven't got many men this year? <laughs> you know, and you, know, you might open the book and you see about Judas who decides that he's going to go and hang himself. You know, you can read this Bible book and take it completely out of context. And that's why we say you need the teaching. That's why Sundays are good to come along to. That's why joining a house group is good. That's why things like the recovery group is good on a Tuesday because you learn the things that are important for your life and how to apply it. And Jesus said, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. You need to be able to be solid as a rock because we, have, we live in this world and life is gonna come at us. But what we decide to do, knowing the teachers of Je- teachings of Jesus, is what makes a difference of whether you stand strong or whether you get washed away. The rock is our faith in God. Later on in the book of Matthew, Jesus is with his disciples asking what people thought of him and who he was. And they said, you know, you're the Messiah, Lord. You're the one. And at that point, it's the point of which the relationship between human and human and God is re-established, is restored. When we know and admit and say who Jesus is, that relationship is restored. And we're prepared to trust God. And we're going to be obedient to his teachings. We're going to follow what Jesus did. To follow in his footsteps means that we're copying him. We're going to do the stuff that Jesus did. And some of you may know that Jesus then turns around to his closest friends and he said, and it's on that rock I'm going to build my church. It's on the rock of our faith, our relationship in God, our trust and our obedience is what grows the church. So, let us all be focused really hard on growing our faith if we're going to help build the church here in North End. Shall we pray?